On this episode of Mike Drop Dallas, we're going to take a deep dive into the pickleball craze. We're going to discuss why courts are popping up everywhere, why an ATP star left tennis for pickleball, and why it matters that a major pickleball championship is headed to Dallas-Fort Worth. Then we're going to talk Cowboys, Mavericks, Stars, Rangers, playoffs, and much more. It's season four, episode four, so let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to Mike Drop Dallas, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here alongside, figuratively speaking, alongside Monica Paul, the executive director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and our on-air producer, Next Level, Marcus Carr. Monica, before we uh, get to our guests, we got two great ones today. We've also had another major Mike Drop moment in Dallas-Fort Worth with the Texas Rangers this is an ongoing mic drop moment with the Texas Rangers not only advancing in this in the uh in the wild card round against sweeping the Rays as we talked about last week but winning the first two in Baltimore against the 101 win Baltimore Orioles. We record this on Tuesday morning the day of game 3. Globe Life Field will be rocking. How excited are you about the Texas Rangers? Well, I think it's it's pretty exciting. A lot of buzz going around town. Uh, exciting to to see a playoff game in Globe Life Field. Um, so, and I think maybe people were a little surprising as toward the end of the season how the Rangers were playing. But boy, uh, are they hot uh, this postseason! So, looking forward to them uh, uh, going all the way. I think it would be a, a bright shining moment here in sports uh, world in in DFW area. Yeah, things would be uh, would be crazy if uh, if they if they got back to the World Series. Uh, major kudos to Chris Young and, and of course, ownership, uh, Ray, Ray Davis and Neil Liebman and the others for opening up the pocketbook to let CY do his thing. And maybe having John Blake on uh, a couple episodes ago was the good luck charm for the Rangers. Uh, uh, who knows? But but way to go, Rangers. Of course, we have the Stars starting this season home against St. Louis on Thursday night, their, their opening night. Lots of excitement. They had a good offseason. I'm sure we'll be talking about that with some of our friends from the Stars. They've always been great about, about coming out of the Mavericks uh, starting up. This is one of those uh, you know, times of year you throw the Cowboys in college football where it is just humming. A lot of excitement, especially with the Rangers extending uh, extending the uh, you know action. So how do you find time, Monica, to follow all these teams with your busy schedule at the Sports Commission? Well, I uh, I make sure to watch the our professional teams. I mean, uh, it's important for for us. I, I just listened to Jerry Jones on uh, on the fan this morning, driving into the office to to see what his perspective is as we as we go into this. Uh, I think Monday night game this week, um, and then always excited to see what the Mavs and Stars are going to kick off the mm-hmm. season and the changes that that they have made over the off season as well. So how, how, how important is it to your work at the sports commission that the pro teams do well, obviously the pro teams bring a lot of headlines and attention to Dallas Fort Worth. Does that come into play in your work at attracting, uh, you know, all different kinds of events, including the, the pickleball championship we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Oh, I think it's always best uh, and better uh, if our professional teams are doing well, uh, you know, number one sports business city, uh, as we were named earlier in the year, our professional teams 
uh, weigh a lot into that. Uh, not, not only just from a winning standpoint, but it goes into uh, the residents and people who called DFW in Dallas home, uh, giving them a, uh, a good product or a good atmosphere and good venues and things to do outside of that. And all of our professional teams are so generous in the community of providing additional opportunities through whether it's with us through our mayor's youth sports ticket program or reading and literacy programs that we have, but the, they do a lot of great benefit there. So it's uh, always nice to one, have a lot of professional teams, but when they're winning, it's extra special. Well, we got an extra special show here for season four, episode four. We're going to be back in a moment to talk pickleball with Jeff Watson, the VP of communications for the pro pickleball association tour. First over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Get ready sports fans. This fall is stacked with events right here in the big D from food sport to football. The number one sports business city has something for everyone. Head to DallasSports.org to sign up for access to exclusive ticket announcements, discounts, and pre-sales to be part of the next big win. And now we're pleased to welcome to Mike Drop Dallas for his first visit, Jeff Watson, the VP of Communications for the Carvana Pro Pickleball Association. That's the, the pro tour for pickleball. And like so many great conferences and leagues and sports entities, they're based in Dallas, downtown Dallas. Before joining the PPA, Jeff worked at advertising and marketing agencies. He's a real pro, worked in comms at the WTA, coming from tennis, and in corporate communications at Feld Entertainment, where I ran into Jeff uh, five or six years ago. Jeff, probably it was a Monster Jam or Supercross caper. It might have been a corporate thing. I don't remember, but I remember enjoying our time working together there. Monica, Jeff is a USC grad, so he's got a big rivalry game with the Trojans traveling to South Bend to take on the wobbly uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Jeff, welcome to Mike Drop Dallas and, and welcome to Dallas. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. I, I actually grew up in Fort Worth, so um, I love being back in North Texas. Uh, I haven't lived in North Texas since high school, so uh, after a, a decade away, it's it's great to be back in North Texas. Well, Jeff, I'm going to wish you the best of luck on your rivalry game because I hope it works out a little bit better for you than it did for me this past weekend in my big rivalry game. So fingers crossed for you. Thank yeah, you. So Monica's much. a UT Longhorn, Jeff. So ah, that's yeah. Yikes. We Sorry weren't supposed that. to talk about that, but <laughs> Monica, give it another week. Give it another yeah. week. Still a little fresh, but we're going to switch over, Jeff, to to why we're here and uh, talk about pickleball. But tell us, uh, why is it called pickleball? Oof. I mean, there are so many urban legends. Um, the one that is definitely debunked was that uh, the founder of pickleball, the creator of pickleball on Bainbridge Island, uh, his dog was named Pickle, but that is a lie. So if you hear that, it's not true. <laughs> um, so there's no, there's no real solidified answer to that question. So we just like to keep it a mystery, um, and, and let, let you kind of postulate. <laughs> well, I, I'm a big fan of pickleball. So Great. let's uh, start with the basics. Tell us about the PPA in particular, how your athletes got on tour, the schedule, how everything works. What do you think our listeners need to know about the sport and the PPA? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners know what pickleball is. Hopefully, I mean, you can't avoid it. Um, I mean, at Cole Park, every time I drive home, that's the line waiting um, around the block for people to get on those courts. Um, 
So it's, it's the fastest growing sport in America for three consecutive years, growing 159% in that time, um, which is absolutely insane. I've never in more than a decade working in sports PR, I've never, I've never experienced something quite as fast moving as, as pickleball. Uh, but the pro pickleball association is the professional tour of pickleball. So if you think about the ATP or the WTA in tennis, um, we are that we, we provide the ranking points. We have the best players, um, in the world playing week in and week out to compete, to be number one in the world, to compete, to win singles, doubles, and mixed doubles, uh, at each event. Uh, in 2023, we had, I think 23 events for our pro, for our pro players, um, and we're almost done with the season. Uh, we have, I want to say three more events for the rest of the year for our pros. Um, but at those events, we also have a massive amateur presence. So we don't just have 60 pros playing, uh, on ESPN and, and CBS and FS1 uh, and tennis channel. Uh, but we have about a thousand amateurs at each event competing across age divisions and across uh, skill divisions. So um, whenever you go to a PPA event, uh, it's it's an absolute party um, for, for four days, five days, if you count the, the first day of amateur play. So um, we go to cities all across the country and um, it, it's, it's a blast. So some big news, American tennis pro Jack Sock, I believe, once ranked as high as eighth in the world. Uh, in singles and uh, and in doubles, made headlines earlier this year when he left the ATP tour to head to the PPA. We've had Jack on the podcast, by the way. Uh, how significant was that decision? Uh, and could more tennis pros be following? Yeah, you know, um, he actually played in a PPA event earlier this year uh, as a wild card into our event in, uh, I want to say it was in Charlotte. Uh, this was right before my time. So it was in North Carolina, um, but he actually won mixed doubles with Annalie Waters. So his first ever PPA event, I mean, granted, Annalie Waters is like the greatest female pickleball player in the world, but you can't, you can't, she can't carry you if you're not good. <laughs> so Jack is already a phenomenal pickleball player. Um, he's an Olympic gold medalist in tennis, grand slam champion and uh, in doubles, especially. So he has the hands at the net that um and at the kitchen line that really translate from tennis over into pickleball um so he is one of a few tennis players that we have um, coming over to the ppa side we recently um sam query who has been number 11 in the world and a wimbledon semifinalist, he has made the transition and he plays on the ppa tour um, we just recently announced that Jeannie bouchard who's former world number five on the women's side wimbledon finalist um, she is, and of course I worked with her back in the day, so that was full circle. I loved that. Um, but she'll be joining the PPA tour next year as well. Um, so, so we see, it's not a one-to-one -one where if you're a great tennis player, you're automatically going to be a great pickleball player. There is a lot of, um, transition and, and nuance that you have to, um, kind of pick up in order to make that switch. But, uh, you do have a leg up because you have that court awareness, you have the hand speed at the net. So, um, having Jack and, and Sam and, and Jeannie, and we have Tina Pisnick who plays at a high level on our tour, who used to play on, on the WTA and Donald Young will also be playing as well. So, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more tennis players coming over. Um, but it's not, it's not just a really fast transition where they're just going to come in and start dominating. So that'll be exciting to watch their progression. Well, I can tell you from a sports commission standpoint, we we host many events a year uh, over the, probably the past five to six years. 
I've been working with some local pickleball entities to try to get some events starting up. And it looks like uh, we have a big one uh, coming up here in, in November. Uh, once it was uh, announced earlier in the year, uh, the buzz immediately um, started. The media started asking questions. We've seen pickleball courts pop up. Uh, it's just uh, really you can see the impact and the growth. But with this big event coming to town, the BioFreeze uh, USA Pickleball National Championships and Farmers Branch, um, as well as the PPA Tour November 5th through the 12th uh, at Brookhaven Country Club. Tell us about that event. What should people expect? I'm hearing there are record numbers uh, taking shape uh, on the amateur side. So what should our, our listeners expect and how can they get out there to, to Brookhaven to take part? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be the biggest pickleball party ever. It's We have more than 3,500 amateurs that have signed up to play. And that is, it's also interesting because the amateurs that have signed up to play have to have competed in another qualifying event. So I didn't play in a qualifying event. So I just, I couldn't have gone on and just registered. So that's a testament to um, the tournament itself and how prestigious it is that people from all over the country are flying into Dallas to play. Um, like I said, we have 3,500 amateurs of those, only about 500 are from Texas. So it's going to bring a massive influx of people from all over the country to Farmers Branch and, and Dallas for hotel rooms to, to participate in, in all the, the local restaurants and activities that we have. Um, because it's over a week, you'll have some downtime if you're playing. So there's going to be a lot of, a lot of tourism and a lot of visitors coming from outside the state, um, to experience farmers branch in, in Dallas. Um, so beyond that, uh, pickleball Boulevard, which we're shutting down the street in front of Brookhaven country club. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to have, um, phenomenal activations from a lot of our partners, Molson Coors, Coca-Cola, Tesla, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile is going to be there. Um, and just from Sunday all the way until Sunday, uh, it's just going to be an absolute party. Um, opening ceremonies on the first Sunday night, November uh, 5th, we have Big Green Egg and um, uh, a celebrity chef, uh, Jack Arnold, who's going to like roast all this amazing meat. He's a pit master. So that's just really going to kick off the whole event. Um, we have a world record attempt for the longest pickleball match or most participants in a pickleball match on that Sunday as well, hoping to go for 24 hours with hundreds of pickleball players. Um, we have a, even like from the business side, we have the business of, in pickleball forum that's going on on Tuesday. That's going to bring the CEO of Selkirk. That's going to bring, um, Ken Solomon from the, C the CEO of tennis channel invited all of these people coming to farmer's branch in, in literally the kind of pinnacle of, of professional and amateur and pickleball in general uh, in Dallas for, for the first week of November. You had Monica with the tourism and economic impact numbers, Jeff. You had me with the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, <laughs> which has always been a dream of mine to Do actually, it. you know, sit in the cockpit there. Mm -hmm. uh, what what an exciting you know array of of activations and 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 events that you've put together there. I, I get that this is big, mm -hmm. and I, and, and I, you mentioned a couple of the numbers, and I, I've I've read up. Well, but what is it about this sport? Like, why has it caught hold so fast and captivated so many people? You know, I think that um, it's as simple as the game is so easy to pick up. And it is so social and you can play. It's the only sport that I can play with my 
90 year old grandma and a like six year old nephew and still have a great time. Um, it's, it's super social. I think, um, the pandemic, uh, for how awful it was, <laughs> the one good thing was that it, it created this buzz around a socially distant sport that you can play with your family and your, your pod for lack of a better term, um, in your driveway, you can go, I mean, you can go to pickleball central, which is like a hub of, of all, um, pickleball gear and you can pick up anything that you need. You can pick up a net and set it up in the street in front of your house, in your backyard, in your driveway. Um, you can get a couple of paddles some balls and, and unlike tennis, which I'm an avid tennis player, after you play a match, the balls are, are dead and you have to throw them away. Pickleballs last for a very long time until you hit them too hard and they crack. But I mean, like literally it's, it's such a low barrier to entry um, to be able to play with anyone. And, uh, and are, are the players coming from tennis? Are they coming from the couch? Are they, you know, where are all of these pickleball players coming from? From, You know, I would say they're coming from everywhere. Um, on the amateur side, especially, <clears throat> I think there, there are probably a lot of players and this is anecdotal, so I don't have any research to back this up, but, um, I think there are a lot of players who maybe, started to play tennis a long time ago and, and it took a while to catch on. Tennis is a really hard sport to get good at quickly. And it's very frustrating um, to start playing because it'll take a long time for you to, to be able to have fun rallying with someone um, when the ball's flying all over the place. But pickleball is so contained. And if I hit the pickleball as hard as I possibly could, it would maybe go 20 yards, maybe. Um, so I think that uh, a lot of people can just pick it up without having a lot of sports background and enjoy it. I think that on a pro side, there are a lot of people that come from tennis, a lot of high level college tennis players um, that have to make that transition um, over to pickleball. And I think that it gives it having a tennis background and a racket sports background. We have a lot of squash and racquetball players um, does give you an advantage just because you have that hand-eye coordination already. You have a really good court sense of, of where players you can anticipate where players are going to move so you can go in the opposite direction or something like that. But again, like I said, it's not an easy one-to-one -one transition. So there are a lot of pickleball players, Dylan Frazier, actually, he has no, he's a, I think he's number four or five in the world. He has no tennis background whatsoever. And he just um, had a lot of sports backgrounds and is super athletic and, and came into the sport and, and did really well. So you really come from all over, all over the place in terms of backgrounds to, to pick up the sport. I get the participation angle, but it sounds like between your broadcast deals and an event like the one that's coming up, uh, the BioFreeze USA Pickleball National Championships powered by Invited and the PPA Tour. Got it. <laughs> uh, uh, that that's also a spectator sport. What, mm -hmm. what can you tell us about pickleball as a spectator sport? Yeah, I mean, as, as you may have seen, uh, I think last week or the week before, we announced a um, really big deal with the Tennis Channel that they're going to be producing all of our events from now on. Um, that doesn't mean that every event will be played on Tennis Channel. Uh, we still have broadcast partners with Amazon Prime and Prime Video, um, CBS, FS1, ESPN, um, but uh, Tennis Channel is going to be a really big partner in helping us make sure that we capture the high quality, um, the high quality play of pickleball in a way that translates um, to, to the average consumer and, and to people that want to watch pickleball. So 
Um, we consistently see on our pro side that our events in person do sell out on Saturday and Sunday, um, a lot of times on Friday too, depending on the community. Um, and we're seeing that translated into our, our broadcast numbers as well. Um, so it wouldn't have been a good deal for Tennis Channel if they didn't see the uptick in, in viewership. Um, and we only see it growing. So it's interesting because we are such a, a, a budding sport. Well, budding in, in terms of the grand scheme of things about three years old or four years old in terms of the professional side of things, um, how we have to be on our toes to make sure that we understand the, the various angles that are most appealing for, for people to watch pickleball on broadcast. And, and we continually pivot with our broadcast team to make sure that we are delivering the best product to our, our fans to make sure that they keep tuning in day in and day out. Um, now with that tennis channel deal, we're also going to be having a dedicated PBTV pickleball TV um, network uh, via the tennis channel um, that will start out as a, as a fast channel on a lot of platforms um, and then continue to grow. And it'll still be free for fans to watch. A lot of our, uh, most of our coverage is currently free for fans, um, regardless of if you have a subscription or not. So um, that'll still be the case, uh, at least for the time being, to make sure that we can get a lot of uh, new fans watching the sport. Yeah, we, we talk often here on the mic drop about Dallas being named by the Sports Business Journal, the number one city to do sports business in, in the country but why you know the not only uh do you are you having a, a major championship here but but your headquarters is is here why, why dallas um well you know so we are there's actually a lot of a lot of reasons as to why dallas i mean obviously as you mentioned it's the best place for for sports business in the country um, but our owner is Tom Dundon, um, who is the um, owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, as, as well as a, a majority in, investor in, in Top Golf, and um, a really, really great uh, business leader in the area. And he's based here in Dallas. Um, so his uh, our headquarters we share with Dundon Capital Partners, which is um, his firm. So it just makes sense um, to all be under one roof here in Dallas. The fact that Brookhaven uh, was chosen as the the next location does have a little bit to do with that um, for the national championships. That is um, does have a little bit to do with that, but more so, um, it's a central location. You know, like like I said, we have thirty five hundred players coming from all over the country, and um, we the national championships used to be held in Indian Wells, uh, in the Palm Springs area, at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden, and that's an incredible facility. I've been there probably 20 times working the tournament from the WTA side and from the event side. And there's no facility like it in, in the world. It's absolutely spectacular. However, that's a really big trek for people that qualified maybe from an event in, in Boston or New York or Maine um, to have to go all the way to the West Coast. And the Palm Springs Airport, although beautiful, it does not have the most direct flights in the world. Um, so the fact that the DFW Airport and Love Field are so close to Brookhaven, um, I think really allowed for a lot of players to make this a fall destination for them and say, you know, like players that may have qualified in years past, but couldn't make it out to Palm Springs said, you know what, 
this is so convenient for me now. Um, maybe this is the year that I go. Uh, so like I said, it's the biggest amateur event in history so far. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the location and the fact that it is in Dallas. Um, now from an amateur side, having just moved from Chicago, you can't beat the weather, <laughs> although it's unpredictable. Um, you can continue to play pickleball, um, on courts, uh, across the Metroplex, um, probably well into November, even December, if you're, if you're a little, uh, if you don't mind a little bit of the cold. Um, but that's not the case with a lot of places uh, across the country. And again, one of the appeals of pickleball is that it is such a low barrier to entry from an economic standpoint that in Northern cities, and I just use Chicago as an example, it's really hard to get indoor court time when it's super, super cold. Um, so in, in Dallas, being able to perch up on, on a local public pickleball court or a, a, or a tennis court with a couple of nets on it, is a really huge plus um, to be able to do for 10 months out of the year. So Jeff, I don't think, yeah, I could have solved Dallas that well. So thank you for that. I agree with <laughs> all of those points about why your headquarters should be here as well as the, the national championships. Um, but as we gear up for the BioFreeze USA uh, Pickleball National Championships powered by Invited and the PPA Tour, who is your superstar? Who is your Luka Doncic of the PPA? Or do you have to stay neutral? <laughs> um, well, empirically, we do have uh, a number one male and a number one female, uh, Ben Johns, who has 104 titles on the PPA tour. Um, he's 24 years old, I think. Don't quote me on I mean, it's a podcast, so you have to quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure he's 24 years old. <laughs> um, but he's he is absolutely dominant on the men's side. Um, he just won the Triple Crown this past weekend in Las Vegas, which means you win singles, doubles, and mixed doubles in the same event. Um, and, and he has by far the most titles of anyone in professional pickleball. Um, on the women's side, we have Annalie Waters, who's 16 years old. Last year, she was Forbes 30 under 30. She is absolutely fantastic. Um, she also won the triple crown this past weekend in Las Vegas, again, singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. Um, and they play mixed doubles together. So whenever you watch Ben and Annalie play together, it, that is the epitome of pro pickleball. It is, if you want to learn how to play, just watch them and, and they, they know how to do it. Um, they're absolutely fantastic, great ambassadors for the sport. Um, and really are, are two players that, that, you, you can watch for hours. I mean, that's why we have such great YouTube viewership, even not just live, but, but highlights. And it's just entrancing how, how great they are at moving players at the net and how dynamic they are um, when, when they're competing. So Jeff, uh, I know a lot of excitement out there. I want to go, I'll be out there to, uh, to take part and, and see what the national championships and the PPA tour is all about. But how can our listeners, if they want to, uh, if they want to head out there, how do they get their tickets and um, what should they know there? Yeah. So um, it's actually Pickleball Boulevard is free from Sunday to Wednesday. So you can come and um, just to, we have to, get your um, zip code when you get there. So make sure that Dallas is getting all the great economic impact. <laughs> but other than that, you can show up and uh, um, participate in all the great events that happen that are happening on Pickleball Boulevard. Um, on Wednesday, we have Emerald City, um, who's a, a great local band playing. Uh, Thursday, Lafrique is playing, a, an amazing disco local cover band that mm -hmm. I'm, again, new, relatively new to the area, but apparently they're a huge deal around here. 
Um, and then Friday, Philip Phillips, who won American Idol, he's performing on Pickleball Boulevard. So Thursday through Sunday, because we are expecting a lot of people, there is an entrance fee. You have to buy a ticket for Pickleball Boulevard. Um, but from Sunday to Wednesday, you can just come to Pickleball Boulevard. You do have to pay for a championship court ticket. Um, but uh, you can go to ppatour.com and we have tickets uh, listed there. Um, uh, if you click, uh, I think, schedule, and then it's kind of complicated, but you click on schedule and then you go to um, the national championships and it goes to Tixer and then you click on um, the BioFreeze national championships and then you can buy tickets to, to any of our events that week. All starting November 5th, right? Just to be clear on the uh, on what week we're talking about. Yes, we're talking, it's November 5th, um, Sunday to Sunday. So um, kicks off on November 5th with, with that opening ceremony that I talked about with the Big Green Egg um, uh, barbecue uh, and the Guinness World Records attempt sponsored by D Betty Vodka all the way through Championship Sunday, which is, um, we'll have all five events of the pros, men's singles, women's singles, men's doubles, mixed, uh, women's doubles and mixed doubles all on that Sunday. Um, championship court tickets are selling out fast. We've done an insane amount of ticket sales already, which is fantastic. Um, and so championship court tickets for Saturday and Sunday are selling out fast. VIP tickets, which include um, a bar and food uh, and a little covered area right outside of championship court where you can watch grandstand and championship court. Those are also selling out extremely fast. Um, so make sure to go and get your tickets today. Um, and, and we can't wait to see everyone out at, at, at the USA Pickleball National Championships. Well, Jeff, really great to have you with us on the mic drop Dallas. Uh, so exciting to see uh, the growth of pickleball. I played pickleball my first time in 2007. So, uh, wow. but just to, to, just to see the growth, uh, uh, has been pretty exciting. And, uh, I think you've got a great location there at Brookhaven and Farmer's Branch and uh, really looking forward to the success of this event and hopefully many more to come into the future. So thank you again for, uh, joining us on the mic drop. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say too, if I, if I may, um, one thing about Brookhaven too, that I think a lot of people should get excited about is that it's not, if you've been to Brookhaven before, it's been an, it's an amazing club, but they've invested, invited, has invested $5 million into expanding that club for this event. So we have, we're going to have more than 70 courts, um, that, people are going to be playing on all week. And I've been out there a couple of times while, I mean, it's the construction's going on. It's ahead of schedule, which is never the case in any sort of construction. So that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but it's, it's spectacular what they're doing over there. That Brookhaven is going to be insanely cool for these national championships and the benefits to the community and to Brookhaven members beyond that are going to keep extending because of these renovations and the impact that invited is doing on, on those courts. Well, fantastic, everyone. Get your tickets to uh, the USA Pickleball National Championships uh, out at Brookhaven. Jeff, thanks again, um, and look forward to seeing you in November. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And now over to Rachel for a word from one of our sponsors. Get ready, sports fans. This fall is stacked with events right here in the Big D. From food sport to football, the number one sports business city has something for everyone. Head to dallassports.org to sign up for access to exclusive ticket announcements, discounts, and pre-sales to be part of the next big win. Now we're happy to welcome to Mike Drop Dallas, Skylar Dixon, Associated Press sports reporter, covers the uh, Mavericks and Cowboys along with other goings-on in Dallas-Fort Worth. 
before he joined the AP, Skylar wrote for the Morning News and the Star-Telegram. He's from El Paso, which means he likes UTEP. Shout out to the memory of Luke Laufenberg. But he went to UT. So, Skylar, as we welcome you to Mike Drop Dallas for your first uh, visit, I want to allow you and Monica, a fellow Longhorn, to commiserate a bit about what happened uh, last Saturday at the Cotton Bowl. Do you have any words of consolation or encouragement for Monica? She's struggling a little bit uh, after what happened on Saturday. Okay. Well, first, I have to say that I'm, I come at it more from a journalism point of view than a Texas alum point of view. So it was a fantastic game, maybe the best one I've seen or one of the best I've seen. And that's, I care more about that than anything else. But on an encouraging note, one of my questions of the day on Saturday was if you could only pick one of these two teams to win out from this point to the end of the season, which one would you pick? And I would pick Texas because I think Texas is a little better. OU's schedule is a little bit easier uh, the other encouraging thing is that the outcome of the game changed nothing for either team. Uh, they still have everything to play for. They can still make the playoff. There's a very good chance they'll be playing again in December uh, at the big barn where the Cowboys play. So everything's still intact. They didn't play that well. They almost won the game anyway. So I think, I think there's plenty of good takeaway for Longhorn fans. You feel better, Monica? Okay, so like I do feel a little bit better. I was thinking some of the same things. Uh, you know, let's just one day, one game at a time the rest of the season, get to that Big 12 uh football championship, and then let's let's see where the cards lay there. But uh I don't know. I just uh wish we'd have played just a tad bit better. Um I I could maybe even uh, uh stomach to loss if we'd have played a little bit better, but it's okay. It was a great Red River rivalry out here at the State Fair, so um, it's a win for Dallas at the end of the day. Let's go. We, we we talk a lot about how the media landscape has shifted here at Mike Drop Dallas, and I'm I'm curious how has the the role of the Associated Press reporter changed as as the as the media staffing is diminished. The local media has a lot of challenges. Has your has your role changed? Your life changed based on the way things have shifted in the last several years? I've been doing it about 10 years, so it hasn't changed for me as much as it has for people who have been with the AP for 30 years, for example, but it's it's massively different. I mean, I, you know, 10 years ago covering the Cowboys, I'd probably be writing a story every day. Um, now, uh, the, the people who are looking at the metrics and those kinds of things, I'm not one of them, but they want more... Uh, broad reaching stories across the NFL, for example, that, you know, rather than something specific on Dak Prescott, they'd rather read something more, more general about quarterbacks overall in the NFL, things like that. So we're sort of, you know, the, the marching orders for us are to think along those lines more so than just your own team. And um, I don't think that's the best thing for a lot of our old-fashioned customers, for lack of a better term, the, the newspaper people uh, in Texas because, you know, they can't get enough of the Cowboys. But the the transmission of stories has changed so much that those folks that aren't getting maybe what they'd hoped from the AP can probably use what the Morning News writes or what the Star-Telegram writes. You know, there, there's so much more uh, sharing of content, if you will, uh, and the AP has even encouraged that through the years. That's one major piece. Another one is, you know, we we try to stay in touch with, you know, what's clicking and what's not. 
you know, if, if something's getting a lot of traction on ESPN's main side and we don't have it, we're going to do everything we can to get it on the wire as quickly as we can. We try to think in terms of, you know, shorter, uh, more, uh, uh, nugget type approaches to stories rather than one long, you know, 2000 word reader, you know, an 800 word story that's broken into three or four parts to try to, you know, deal with the the whole attention span uh, situation. So we're not real big into uh, really long reader type stories. Um, we just don't do many of them. Right. And so when I'm covering these beats, I'm not really thinking about that um, that kind of story that I'm going to write, I'm thinking more about, you know, how does this fit into uh, what else we're trying to do? And a, a small example, when Terrence Steele signed his uh, offensive lineman for the Cowboys, when he signed his contract recently, which uh, I think it's 50 million guaranteed, at least I'd have to go look at the numbers again. But uh, my first thought on it was, well, how many undrafted players have sort of hit the lottery, for lack of a better term? Tony Romo did it. He's he's at the top of the list, in fact, of uh, all time in the NFL of undrafted players and how much money they made. So I was thinking, hey, maybe I could look around the league a little bit. And and there are a couple of their uh, another guy signed not long after Terrence Steele did for, with the Saints, I think, a defensive lineman. So I'm going to write that story here in the next couple of weeks. It's more of a, you know. Did you anticipate something like that happening uh, when you signed? Could you even dream of it? How has it changed your life? And and look at him, but then look at these other guys around the league. And, and that's kind of the story that they want. So we are a lot less about what uh, what you might think the approach for a morning news reporter or a Star-Telegram reporter is when they show up every day to cover the Cowboys. Our outlook is quite a bit different, and, and it has changed quite a bit. And it, it's basically – changing to the landscape as it is, right? Shorter attention spans, fewer print editions of papers at a lot of places. We've had a lot of smaller papers just drop us all together because they've they've reduced the number of print editions that they have to the point where they don't even really have room for AP copy anymore. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a significant change. Now, staffing-wise, we're the same uh, in sports uh, in, in Dallas as we've been for a long time. News side, it's significantly different. I used to work news side for the AP a decade ago, and, and we had a bunch bunch of people in the Dallas office. And now there, there's almost no Dallas office. We have a little bitty space in the WFAA building downtown, and that's it. Man, that is uh, astonishing when you think of how much news comes out of Dallas. But but uh, but I know things are uh, are different. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit and get into the teams that you cover for the AP. Let's start with the Mavericks. Of course, they've been out of the country the past week or so, first in, in Abu Dhabi and now in Madrid as we record this on, on Tuesday morning. What what do you think? They they brought in some veterans in the offseason, made some tweaks and some changes. What do you, what do you think uh, the outlook is for the Mavericks this season? It, it, it would seem the roster fits together a little better. They, they weren't shy about acknowledging after last season that the, the roster was just not a good fit. And they had to gut that roster, obviously, a little bit to get Kyrie. Um, but I think that they already felt like it was somewhat flawed. I think Nico Harrison said after the season, you know, what's the difference between uh, the trade for Spencer Dinwiddie that led to the deep playoff run versus the trade for Kyrie that went nowhere? And and his point was the team was already playing well before the Dinwiddie trade. 
the team never did play that well before the Kyrie trade, and then it it never happened. Now there's multiple reasons for that. I think the biggest one is the injury factor. Had they both been healthy, the if, if they had both been healthy, the Mavericks would have made the playoffs. I don't think there's any question at all about that. And then it would have been a question of how deep of a run could they make, and, and I'm not sure what I think about that. But um, obviously they made a big deal about wanting to keep the draft pick, <laughs> and they were – they were rather public about it, um, and that made a huge difference because they basically went from potentially no picks at all to two first-rounders, and I think they have hopes that both of those guys might be rotation guys uh, this year as rookies, and that's a little bit unusual, and, and it's kind of a um, it's a little bit of a contradiction because they're clearly in win-now mode. These next two years are extremely important with Luka and Kyrie together, uh, in terms of trying to win and win big, but then they also are kind of hopeful that rookies will come along and be a part of that. And so that it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but short answer, I think the roster is better. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And and most importantly over anything else is that they're relevant. You know, Kyrie resigning means that they're still relevant. They have two superstars and that's pretty much the starting point for trying to take chase championships. It seems to me these days in the NBA. So, Skyler, I think at the end of last season, there was maybe some concern about Luca and Kyrie meshing and being successful together. You think no challenges or no issues with the full training camp uh, uh, together the, going into the season? Yeah, well, I think that helps. That 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 should make a big difference. They think it's going to make a big difference. And um, if you look back on last year, again, let's just say – best case scenario everybody's healthy even then it's still difficult to try to make it work and and Kyrie was was uh he was honest about that during the season he he acknowledged that there was a lot of pressure on him this during the season not even looking back at last season now which he's already done that too you know saying look there was a lot of pressure on us we were trying to make it work we needed to win um so yeah clearly it helps uh to start from square one uh I, I believe that as a pair, they're fine. I I really think that even a Kyrie Irving, um, as, as much of a star as he is in the league, he knows uh, what the most important thing here is, and that's Luca, right? And and he he gets that. I think he knows how to fold into that. And even with all the mess that was the last two months of the last season, offensively, when those guys were together, they were fantastic, right? I mean, their their offense has the chance to be great. And, and Jason Kidd has zero worries about the offense, um, which, which is that's that's kind of the core that you're getting at with Luka and Kyrie meshing is the offense. Uh, it looked really good at times last year, and I I don't have any doubt that it can look great. And and the question is defense. And, and this is just my point of view. Yes, you have to have guys like that try on the defensive end. They can't just stand around and do nothing, but they're not paying – Luca and Kyrie, what they're paying them for defense. Um, that has to be the collective kind of thing. Um, and, and kids big on that. And that's, he has the example to show everybody because that's a huge reason why they did what they did two seasons ago. So, you know, offensively, I think they're fine. Um, if they stay healthy, they're going to score a lot of points. Um, and if they, and Jason Kidd even said this, we don't have to be great defensively. We just have to be decent defensively. And if they do that, they're, that's probably a winning formula. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Cowboys are reeling from our Sunday night loss against San Francisco. Is it panic time here uh, for the Cowboys? 
No, I don't think so. And Jerry was just on the radio and they were hammering him hard about, you know, changes and this and that and the other. And his basic message was there are things we can do differently. There are things we will do differently. Um, scheme, detail, execution, et cetera. But this is no time for major change, no time for panic. Um, it's, I, I think it kind of took everybody by surprise that, you know, coaches, players, um, when you lose that badly and there's, there's no human nature is, are we really that far away from being good enough to go to a Super Bowl? That's what you have to ask yourself if you're those guys coming out of that game. And, and I think with a couple of days to think about it, um, they're going to feel like they're not that far away that, you know, they're not better than the 49ers, obviously, but they're not that much worse than the 49ers. Um, there's some sort of in between there and and you know they've they've shown it at times this year last year the the playoff game against Tampa Dak that may have been Dak's best game ever um so I think that it's uh it's a setback no question about it but I don't think uh the question is will it linger because that's the kind of game that can linger and my sense is knowing Dak um, and him, the, the hold that he has on that locker room, I don't think it'll linger much. And we're obviously going to see here pretty quickly. But one of the reasons it will linger no matter what is they can win Monday night. They can win again after the bye. They can do so handily both times. That's not going to do anything because the game after that is the Eagles on the road. So all anybody's going to be saying going into that game is those two wins were fine and good. Five and two is five and good. But fine and good but what's going to happen Sunday afternoon in Philadelphia yep exactly there um uh, so we're recording this on uh, the morning of game three uh between the Rangers and Orioles uh, Rangers are up two and oh how far do you think the Rangers can go uh well I certainly didn't think they would be four and oh on the road in the playoffs <laughs> particularly a month ago I I was pretty much on the record of you know, I just don't think they're going to get in because they the, the injuries were really rough on them. And they're on top of that, the bullpen was just not good. And so I didn't think they'd get that far. Um, and then I certainly didn't think that they would have a home game in the playoffs because I didn't think they'd get through the wild card round. So if you look at it right now, uh, the short answer has to be, well, yeah, they're going to advance one more round because they would have to you know, play poorly not to at this point. And the pitching matchup today in game three could be favorable. Uh, Nathan Evaldi, it took, as you would expect, it took him a while to kind of get his feet back under him coming off uh, the the arm issue that he had. Um, and I didn't think, I just didn't think there was enough time for him to kind of get back to the point where they could count on him to go into the fifth or sixth inning and, and not give up a lot of runs along the way. Um, but that last start kind of showed it. And, you know, the the guy going for the Orioles today, solid pitcher, but, you know, he's got a four-plus ERA. Um, he's had a good year. Um, but if you look at the just the pitching matchup itself, if Evaldi is sort of taking that next step along the, the road to recovery, which logic says he would, then, you know, I think they've got a pretty good shot to close it out today. And, you know, even if they don't, there's two more shots at it. So, I you know I I thought the AL playoffs would be wide open because I didn't really think the Astros ever had 
that sort of mojo uh, all season. I'm still not sure they have it. They, of course, they're now locked in a one-one going back to Minnesota. Um, so I, I felt like anybody in the AL could could come through, and and I think that's playing out a little bit because the 100 win team uh, that had the number one seed has now lost twice to the Rangers at home. So I think that kind of tells you that it's uh, it, it, it could go anywhere. And, and, and I do also think that this is where uh, the hiring of Bruce Bochy makes a difference because he's been through so much of this and, you know, he knows how to, to navigate games pitching wise and, and all that kind of stuff. So they have, they have a real advantage uh, with him in the dugout, I feel like. And if they get to the fifth, sixth inning with a lead, even as as much as they've struggled with their bullpen, particularly late in the season, you have to like their chances. And I think we keep talking about how bad the bullpen was, and it was late in the season, but the bullpen's been pretty good in the postseason. There have been a couple of small hiccups, but I think – I. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I think they've only given up one run, maybe two runs. Well, that, I, I, that was before the Leclerc, uh, the Leclerc home run the other night, uh, that three-run homer late. Um, so that that changed the, the formula a little bit. But yeah, I you know I, I don't see any reason why they they couldn't win the next round just because I've thought the AL playoffs were wide open. And you look to the other league, and and uh, eighty four win Arizona is up two zero on one hundred and one win L A or whatever, however many games the Dodgers won. So, the the you know from the wild card through the division series, when you still have the two shorter series, it's I've always believed anything can happen. It's a little bit less so in a seven game series because there's obviously a a better chance for the better team to to kind of get through the early part of the series and then show that they're better and win the series but man it you know it's with everything they've been through and all the injuries they could end up back in the place they haven't been since 2011 and I don't think any of us thought that would happen this year not even when they were at full strength and I'm talking Jacob deGrom healthy and everybody else I don't nobody really saw this coming and that's another thing too if you forget about this year which they shouldn't because when you're at this point you're like Forget about next year or any other year. Let's win this thing now. That has to be everybody's mentality, all these teams that are still alive. But if they get healthy, uh, which, again, it's going to take a while because it'll be late 24 at the earliest with DeGrom. But uh, with these young guys that have emerged, uh, if they get healthy pitching-wise, the Rangers could be good for a while. That's what we're. That's what we'd love. We'd love to see. And and again, kudos to Chris Young for putting it together. One last question, Skyler. That that I've been curious about. We we talked earlier in the in the show about what a busy time of year this is, especially with the Rangers uh, extending that their run in, deep into the playoffs or or deeper than we expected. How do you manage your schedule? How do you figure out Maverick stars the stars starting up uh, this week as well? you know, cowboy midweek. I mean, how do you figure out what games you're going to cover, where you're going to go on a given day to, to, uh, to chase the, 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 the many, many local sports stories in any given week, this, especially this time of year. Right. Well, my colleague, Stephen Hawkins, I kind of leave him in charge of, of the nuts and bolts of all that. I obviously contribute to the conversation, kind of leave it to him. I have to give Jeff Miller a shout out. He's a, he was a longtime editor at the Dallas morning news, uh, he's a freelance reporter. We wouldn't, there's no way to cover everything the AP has to cover with two people. So he's mm -hmm. a big part of it. There are others also uh, beyond him, but 
uh, I'll use the Mavericks as an example uh, of the 41 home games. Uh, I'll take probably a little more than half and Jeff Miller will take uh, the other ones. Right. And, and this is where I can mention El Paso uh, because next week, uh, UTEP and New Mexico state are playing their 100th game, right. Which I was planning to go for that. And you mentioned Luke uh, earlier. Um, well, I'm, I'm around babe quite a bit and, and babe has gotten really close to that program because mm -hmm. of Luke. So, so babe right. was going to be my took my, my ticket hookup on that and, and might still be. However, if the Rangers win one more game, the El Paso trips off because the ALCS will be here next week. And it's a midweek game, UTEP and New Mexico state Wednesday of next week. Um, so I won't be able to do that. And when I was growing up, a two win football season at UTEP was a good season. So the only reason to even care about UTEP football was the New Mexico state game. So it was going to be kind of fun to go back and do that, but uh, it looks like assuming the Rangers win one of these, that that's not going to happen. And that's, that's sort of the reality of the, of the life of an AP person is um, you may plan to go do something, but then uh, the sports in your market are kind of going to kind of change that plan. The Cowboys, I pretty much handle myself. And like I was telling you earlier, I, I'm not writing all the time, like we might've been 10 years ago. So it's, it's a little easier to manage. Um, but one other thing I'll say that, that kind of relates to this question that I think is, is an interesting point is, when the Mavericks traded for Kyrie last year, one of the, you know, the feedback from one of my colleagues was, you know, flawed team. And I thought, well, yeah, it probably is a flawed team, but you know what? It's also a relevant team. And the, uh, the proof of that came when they had the weird media day this year because of the trip overseas. And normally all of the players talk on media day. Well, they started practice before media day. They had two days of practice. And I saw that and I'm like, you know what? Something tells me that Luca and Kyrie are going to be doing something before media day. So I had to reach out to the Mavs and they said, yeah, one of them's going to talk one day. One of them's going to talk the other day. And that was a Wednesday and a Thursday. Well, Wednesday and Thursday are the two biggest Cowboys days every week. Right. So as soon as I found that out, that was the easiest decision all week was I'm going to Luca and Kyrie instead of the Cowboys. And I've never done that before. So Wow. That shows how relevant the Mavericks are with these two superstars together. And, and there are actually times where I'm picking the Mavs over the Cowboys and, and even early in the Luca reign, when the, the team wasn't that good, that I would have never made that decision, right? It would have been right. Cowboys first and Mavericks second. So the Mavericks have made it more challenging for me, but it, it's good for the fans because it certainly gives them something to watch. Love this. Uh, the kind of the inside, uh, Behind the scenes notes on this, Skylar. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Jeff Miller. I have to say, not only, of course, in my Mavericks years, I dealt with Jeff quite a bit, but not only was he a great editor for many years, uh, he's written some in fantastic books. He wrote one on the AFL. Yes. And as a as a long-suffering White Sox fan, he wrote a phenomenal book on the 1967 American League pennant race, which had three teams playing on the last uh, weekend of the season. Uh, for for the pennant in those days, you know that was it. There were, there were no playoffs. So big Jeff Miller fan, the uh, the author, not just the editor uh, and and writer. Uh, you mentioned coordinating all this with the Mavericks. We should give a shout out to Scott Tomlin after 20 years yes. or so leaving the Mavericks to go to work for Dirk Nowitzki's foundation. Yep. So happy for Scott. Good luck uh, to him. He's at one of the all time great, uh, you know, uh, practitioners of communications uh, yes. in Dallas Fort Worth. Uh, of course, uh, uh, so happy for him to 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 see that and uh, and whether you can be there or not, you know, good luck to the to the miners and 
have have uh, <laughs> have thoroughly enjoyed uh, having you on, uh, Skylar. We'll have to do it again sometime. So on behalf of of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to Skylar Dixon of the Associated Press for joining us and Jeff Watson from the Pro Pickleball Association Tour, big championship coming up uh, at Brookhaven Country Club the first week in November. Thanks to the uh, Mike Drop production team from Tony Faye PR, Next Level, Marcus Carr, Merrick's Doc Gooden, uh, and of course our showrunner.